Hey, hey, friends. This is Jessie DeShane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today's guest is the wonderful Candice Martina, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I have been following you on Instagram for a while here, and she is such a breath of positivity and realness over there. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great. I'm so excited to talk with you today. So why don't we just dive right in, and you can talk to the audience and tell us all about who you are, where you're from, any background you'd love to give us. Sure. Okay. So my name is Candice Martina. I live in LA right now, but I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada. Mm. And I am on my journey with Graves disease, which I've been diagnosed in May, but I think I have been dealing with it since uh, roughly around when my daughter was born. I think in January is when it started to show its face. Mm. Um. Yeah, so that's just been my focus. I'm a, a, a health coach by, um, that's my career, yeah. that I kind of um, backed out of a little bit when I had my daughter. And then with all my symptoms that were going on, I kind of lost touch with all of that. And I was just telling you a little bit off record how this has inspired me to kind of pursue that a little bit more and to really look at health in such a different way now. Like before I was really thinking like fitness and diet is like, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I'm skinny and, you know, I can run a mile or five miles. And that was kind of like my idea of health. Mm-hmm. But now I've really kind of reworked what it means for me to be a health coach and really incorporated a lot of stress management and um, trauma release and mm-hmm. things like that. How did you find out that you had Graves? Were you having symptoms? Like what kind of pushed you into figuring out that diagnosis? I think what originally happened, so when I had my daughter, I had to have a C-section, which my daughter was breech. Mm. So that was kind of like the start of a lot of like anxious feelings. I really didn't want that. So I had the C-section and my healing went really wrong. I got a lot of complications. I couldn't breastfeed. I I had to pump for six months. So I was like recovering from that, pumping around the clock. (laughs) And I got crazy postpartum anxiety, like where I would go to the doctor and be like, I'm really worried. This is not okay. Oh, wow. And I thought it was just from, you know, postpartum. I know that that can happen to people. But more time was going on and it wasn't going away and my anxiety was getting way worse. So I went to the doctor, got tests. I mentioned thyroid because it does run in my family under active thyroid. Mm-hmm. And the results came back normal. Mm-hmm. And then five months later in May, at that point, 
I mean, I was definitely having symptoms. I was having really bad shakes, um, like sweating. And then the last like month or so, my heart would pound and I would get really out of breath, which was super weird for me because I'm like super fit, like hardcore at the gym basically. (laughs) So that really freaked me out. But what scared me the most was the shakes. I actually went to my husband and had a complete mental breakdown. I was convinced I had MS. Oh no, yeah. I was straight up like, I have like a neurological disorder. I can't function. I can't move my hands. I'm shaking like uncontrollably. I was really scared. Yeah. So then I went back to the doctor and said, listen, I'm not fooling around here. I want every test. I want MRIs. I want the whole thing. I don't care. I want everything. And she called me the next day and said, you have Graves' disease. It explains most of these symptoms. Mm. So- That's how I found out. And I was thankful I didn't have anything worse, but Graves' disease is no joke. Yeah. It's its own beast. Definitely. It is. Yeah. How do you deal with those symptoms and kind of your healing as a mom? Like I know you're a brand new mom to a beautiful little girl. So how, how did that kind of impact your healing as well? It was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. At first I was, I'll be completely honest. I was so consumed with fear in -hmm. the beginning that I probably was not being the mom that I've grown into now. It's been Mm -hmm. maybe four months since my diagnosis and I have wrapped my head around a lot of it since then. Mm -hmm. But, um, now what I like along the way, you start to kind of pick up little things or you're like, oh, that isn't feeling good, or that feels good. And one of the first things that kind of triggered for me was talking about not feeling good in front of her mm. all the time. Yeah. Like always being like, oh, I'm tired, or like, oh, I have a headache. And like, she's only like one and a half years old, two years old. And I was like, oh my God, like that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. So that kind of spurred me to start to think about these things and just think, how is this going to affect her? So now I never talk about any of that stuff in front of her. I mean, maybe once in a blue moon, I'll be like, oh, I have a headache, you know, Mm -hmm. but I try not to talk about it in front of her. I try not to take all of my pills in front of her, like my pharmacy of supplements. (laughs) And I push myself really hard to show up for her, even when it's really hard, like when I don't want to do stuff and I'm really tired and she wants to go for a bike ride, you know, like I just like get on the bike and I do it because I don't want to let this affect her. Yeah. It's not easy though. Oh my God. Like some days I suck at it. Some days I'm just like, we're going to watch movies today. And that's the bottom line. Like I don't care. Yeah. But I just think really having the intention and like the awareness of this isn't just affecting me. This is affecting my child and my family. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keeping that in mind, that's got to be difficult, but at the same time, um, it gives you a little bit more of a purpose. I feel like it, it can be easy to fall into really negative spaces. Not, not saying that you never do, but Mm -hmm. when you're able to be like, okay, I don't want to do that in front of her though. So how can I get through this? Absolutely. Like, that's what I was thinking is it's, 
it's how we should be acting and treating and talking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to manifest more sickness for ourselves and we don't want to manifest it into our child. So basically she's just like the perfect reminder to not kind of slip down that negative feedback loop of like talking in the negative all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. feel like she really helps me to manifest like healing. Mm, I love that. That's so sweet. I think that that's so true though. And then it like, because it pushes you to go toward that healing cycle and to really mm-hmm. focus on that because you want to be better for her too. Yeah. Yeah. And also the fact that it's hereditary, not hereditary, but like it is a partially genetic. Mm-hmm. And obviously as a mother, you worry about that stuff. So you think, okay, how can I do my best to make sure that this doesn't happen to her? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things is don't plant that seed into her mind that yeah. it's going to happen to her. And then also to help her just deal with like stress, mm-hmm. like to, to show her how to handle stress. Cause like for me, I know that that's what triggered me mm-hmm. without question. And when I talk to like my functional medicine doctor and to healers, they're like, I asked them this because I've been worried about making sure Vivian doesn't have these problems. And they all say, just teach her how to manage stress Mm. because stress will come Mm -hmm. for her, but just to be able to ride the wave and not like let it trigger an autoimmune condition. Yeah. I think that that's so important. And that's so, that's so crazy to think about that something like managing stress or something like, when your child is just a little baby that you have to think about these things and how it's going to affect them and, and how you can teach them things that maybe you did weren't taught or things that you weren't able to have in your toolbox that you can give to her. Oh my God. That is like the story of my raising a child. Definitely. (laughs) I did not have like the cookie cutter childhood. So yeah, this is just taking it to an even deeper level. Like I've always had the intention to like be a, the mom that I never had and, you know, give her the family I never had. And I think that this has maybe even happened to just really kick me even further to recognize patterns mm-hmm. that could be coming up that, that I don't really want to give to her, but you know how it is. We all have our blind spots yep. and things like that. So, yeah, I love that, but it gives you that awareness for sure. Absolutely. So one of the questions I had for you, we chat a lot over here on the podcast um, about really taking care of your mental and emotional health. Um, However, when you add the topic of being a mom into the picture, I'm sure that it can be a little bit tricky. Like for me, for example, if I want to go to therapy every day, every Thursday at five, I don't have to ask anyone, but how do you, how do you deal with still taking care of yourself and your mental and emotional health? And then do you ever deal with mom guilt? Like, how do you, how do you deal with that side of things coming from it as a mom? Yeah. It's a dance Mm. and it's definitely different than before. You have to be super flexible with it. So I always joke that I have like an afternoon routine. I I don't have a morning routine. There's no such (laughs) thing as a morning routine when you're a mom. You wake up, you go get them out of bed and you do whatever the heck they want you to do. You feed them, play with them. And then when they nap, maybe you can have your routine. Mm -hmm. But... 
I am lucky. I have a husband who works from home, so that's very helpful, and he does help me find time. I don't have mom guilt. I don't think I have mom guilt. I mean, I hate leaving her sometimes, but it's not very often. But I think just the key with mental health when you have a kid is to understand it's going to look way different from what it looked before, and you have to just steal moments when you can. Mm-hmm which is super hard. Like for me, I'm a Virgo. I like to do things very specifically. Like I like to wake up in the morning before I would get up at 6am, you know, do my journaling, blah, 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 like 10 step routine. Mm. And I'm kind of an all or nothing person, which I know you are as well. (laughs) And so that's been hard. That's been a hard lesson for me. It's like, if I can't meditate for the full 20 minutes, like just meditate for five, you know, that's, that's the kind of dance that it takes. And it takes help as well. So definitely having like family to lean on, friends, somebody that gets it. But you all, like with the mom guilt thing, I don't think that, I don't think that there'd be a reason to ever have mom guilt when you're taking care of your mental health, Mm -hmm. because that's the only way you're going to be able to show up as a good mom and to be like a good wife and to just like be that feminine energy in your household. Yeah. So I'm like such an advocate for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's an important thing to also show your children that you are putting yourself first and you're taking care of yourself holistically and, and things like that, that, um, that I wish was instilled in me when I was growing up. Like it was Mm -hmm. very much like, you know, my mom was working all the time. My dad was working all the time and, and none of them really took care of their mental or emotional health that I was. Totally. So, it's such a new generation thing. Yeah, it really is. It, it really is. Like my grandma, I can't even imagine her like <laughs> taking care of herself, you know? And I mean, I get that. That was the time back then. So it really is. I feel like, like myself and you, like around our age is really where we're starting the change, Mm -hmm. which is why it's such an opportunity and such an honor to raise kids nowadays and be able to just allow them to like be empowered and to just express themselves more. And just, I I feel like we're going to be able to raise like these really amazing little humans. It's exciting. Yeah. So with that, are there like ways that you involve Vivian in different wellness practices that you're doing? Maybe you show her how to eat healthy. Maybe you like, are there different ways that you kind of involve her in that? So she has those abilities in the future. Food is a big topic around our house. I mean, it's probably one of my biggest passions is nutrition and eating healthy. I had a 10 year battle with an eating disorder, which is kind of what got me into being a health coach. Mm -hmm. So not just like eating the right foods, but like why to eat them and, um, you know, what foods make you feel and, you know, just like way more than just like weight or anything like that. Like it's just eat healthy. It's like, I, I always explain to her what foods do. And like, I, I give her all these crazy superfoods and she's definitely going to grow up and be like, my mom was like woo woo in the kitchen, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then, you know, we try to be active with her where I'm always going for walks and I'll let her know mommy's going to go, you know, get some movement and 
makes me feel better. I definitely explain things like that to her. Once mm-hmm. she gets a little bit older, I'll definitely take her to yoga. And I go to women's circles and some moms bring their little kids. So as she gets older, she'll for sure participate in a lot of that stuff with me. Yeah. But being able to just show her, like, give her the best example, I think is, is so powerful, especially what you were saying with food. Like, that's a huge topic, especially when it comes to women and little girls is yeah. the way that we look at food as a way to either lose weight or gain weight or make ourselves pretty or not pretty. So yeah. I think like instilling that idea that food is a fuel and it's, it helps you feel good and like to know which foods make you feel good versus what doesn't instead of thinking about it from a diet perspective right away. Yeah, I think I'm pretty conscious of that. Even another thing that I'm reminded of now that kind of triggered me in the parenting department is when I was diagnosed, I kept weighing myself Mm. because I was kind of scared that I was going to lose too much weight, but also the fact that my diagnosis was something that was based on weight triggered me a little bit of like my past issues. And especially like taking the medicine, the doctor's like, oh, well, you could gain you know, 20 pounds next week. And like, I told him straight up, I was like, that is, you know, something that I'm, I'm worried about my mental well-being when it comes to that. Yeah. I was very open. And I said, I need to be like the best mom I can be. So I need to know like, what's going to happen. I don't want to get thrown off my, my mental game. And so I was weighing myself, weighing myself. And she kept wanting to hop on the scale. Mm. And I was like, okay, like, I didn't really think anything of it. But then I picked her up. Like at some point along the line within a, that day, and I was like, "Oh, you're so heavy," you know, because she is. She's getting freaking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but then every time I would pick her up, she'd be like, "Oh, I'm so heavy." Oh no. And I felt like, "Oh my god, we have to change <laughs> the language on this." So now we, I don't weigh myself in front of her anymore. Yeah. And whenever she says, "Oh, I'm so heavy," I always say, "No, you're so healthy." Mm, you know, like just little words like that. I think. Are so, like little language changes are so big when it comes to kids. Yeah. Yeah. And like remembering that they're so, um, they just like soak everything in, whether they everything. Say it or they hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how do you work with people as a health coach? What is, what is that for you? Well, what it looks like for me is you usually do like a three month session with me and you'll you'll come to me as a you know as a client and say these are my goals this is like what I would like to do mm-hmm. and then you really narrow it down to like three specific goals usually so it's like yeah. 3 months three specific goals and you talk every week and you'll check in you'll make like little mini goals to get you closer mm-hmm. and then we'll do things like um, like I'll go through their pantry. I'll help them understand labels. I can take them to the market or to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I can even take them to a fitness class. Like a lot of people are really intimidated to go to things like that on their own. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just being like a buddy that mm-hmm. like knows more about wellness and just yeah. kind of helps like launch you Yep. and the accountability. Like I feel like I've been coached several times like in business. I've been coached in had health coaches and the accountability is really like the core 
of, of the value I think yeah. that people get out of it. Yeah. And knowing that you have someone that has your back that you can ask questions to that maybe isn't in your zone of genius, but it's in someone else's. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't realize it when you're someone who's so into health and wellness. Yeah. You forget that so many people, they don't know a lot of these things, like a lot of, and then they're afraid to ask people and just helping people kind of be able to have that beginner's mind Mm -hmm. without being intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so important. So do you think, especially like with health coaching, but we talked about this right before I started recording, are there any instances in your life where you believe that graves and your illness has has been a blessing in your life? Absolutely. Without question. I believe that I was, I was, I grew up with a lot of anxiety in my life as a child. Mm -hmm. And I think that I was addicted to that. Mm -hmm. And so I would have anxiety about everything and I would be stressed about everything. And (laughs) like, it's ridiculous now because I have like such a beautiful life Mm -hmm. and I would make up stories and make, make drama kind Mm -hmm. of basically. Yeah. So it really helped me put things into perspective Mm -hmm. in a big way. A lot of the things that I thought were the end of the world literally don't even matter to me anymore. Of course. And I really feel like I love my body more. I think even being someone who was in the health field, Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing things for the right reasons. I was not like doing it out of a place of love all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's kind of helped me build a more loving relationship with my body. And then what we talked about a big one for sure is just connecting to so many women that have inspired me and helped me. I feel like they have my back and I feel like I'm doing what I can to have other people's back. Yeah. That's been really big. Yeah, that connection side of things like we were chatting about before I started recording was just like the whole reason I started this podcast, like exactly on Instagram, like everything that you're doing. So I think that it's it's not only helping other people connect because I think that that's really cool and like we're giving people um, or we're kind of creating a community where people can like connect with each other but then also feeling that community and that connection for ourselves. I think is really important in healing especially having absolutely yeah I think that's the number one thing that was something that I wasn't prioritizing before this either like it just the circumstances I just didn't have like a real big sisterhood of women in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've like met like four girls just in LA Mm -hmm. that, you know, are going through this and we've like met up, you know, we plan to hang out more. And another thing that I think is so powerful and which is why I really like honor you for what you're doing, especially is I've had friends that I have had, I've known for a long time who didn't, tell me that they had autoimmune until like they hear other people putting themselves out there. Yeah. So isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it's like you, you don't even realize like the power of this work. Mm -hmm. Like how many people have graves and Hashimoto's like millions of people. And I hadn't even heard of it until I had gotten it because apparently no one wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to, they're either too shy or they're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And so it's really 
really important to just be like, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to hide this because that makes it even worse and isolating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like you don't even realize, like for me, I'm, I've always been very open. I'll tell people pretty much anything. And like, I'm in this community where everybody's talking about their chronic illness and like different modalities that they're using. But then there are like you said, millions of people that have these chronic illnesses or maybe don't even know yet or have Mm -hmm. all of the symptoms, but they don't talk about it because they don't feel that they should be taking up the space. They don't feel that they feel that maybe they would be um, like not, they wouldn't be considered strong if they talked about their illness. And that's actually something I dealt with. Um, in work, in working full time. Like I didn't tell people at my job for the longest time that I had an illness because I didn't want anybody to think that it was going to affect my work. But the funny thing is the more I hit it, the more it affected my work. (laughs) I would have just told them what was going on. No one would have asked questions. They would have understood a little bit. So I think like all of us talking about what's going on, talking about the different things we're doing to try to feel better and like live our best lives yeah. is really important for especially all these people that are silent and aren't ready to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So what are some daily practices and rituals that you believe in and that you do that keep you healthy mentally, emotionally, physically? <laughs> Well, I do what I can. I have a f- quite a few like supplement rituals that I do. Yeah. I'll bring quite a quite an extensive one with that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I do celery juice now. I'm on a big celery juice thing. Oh yeah. And I won't go into the details of all the supplements I take, but <laughs> that's part of my morning ritual. Yep. Um, walks for me are probably the most therapeutic. I know you have been in the same boat where it's like working out isn't always going to work for me right now, but I can usually get myself out the door for a walk. And when I do, that's, it's just night and day, like to move my body. Mm -hmm. I journal, I do a morning and an evening. So in the morning I write like three things that I really want to get done that day, kind of top three priorities because you know how it is with energy. I might not be able to get a lot of things done, but if I can get these three things done, that would be great. Yeah. And then I also write like three words of like how I want to show up today. Mm. And I found that that's been really helpful for me, especially when I'm in kind of like a negative headspace to just remind myself like, no, I want to show up as like open and kind and maybe a little silly or anything. Yeah. And then I write... I write like a paragraph of like my future self. So kind of like talk and like, you know, um, I'm so thankful my graves went into remission, you know, now my family and I can do this, this, and this. And it's not a long one, but it's just, I just keep trying to manifest healing. Yes. Yeah. And then at night I do gratitude. Mm. I also love the app. It's called happy, not perfect. And it's a meditation app but it has this amazing thing called a uh, happiness workout. Mm. And you go through like all these steps, you do gratitude, you do a release. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. Like with the release page, you write everything you want to release and then you rub your finger along it and it lights on fire. Oh, that's amazing. So it's like <laughs> truly kind of like 
you know, it, it feels kind of really symbolic. Yeah. And they have great meditations from all these cool people on there. Another thing I recently started doing, which I've been surprised with how much I love it. I was like the diehard podcast person for a few years, especially going through all my certifications and just wanting to like learn and grow. And I kind of forgot about music. I kind of stopped listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. And so recently I've been kind of bringing music back into my life and I find myself so happy. Like it kind of reminds me of the old me. I get like these energy boosts. So music has been a big part of my daily ritual lately. And I get a lot of massages. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I really believe in body work. I think I mentioned some point in the interview, um, like releasing trauma. Mm. And I've been a big believer in storing. We do store trauma in our fascia of our body. Yeah. So body work, deep tissue massage is a really big one for me. And something I want to start doing is tapping because I've heard that that yeah. can be really helpful for that. Yeah, I've heard of that too. I, I've never tried it, but I've heard that people really, really love yeah. it. Yeah. Have you watched the Heal documentary? I'm sure you have. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yep. Well, the woman that did the tapping on that seemed so cool. So I want to hunt her down since I know she's local. Oh, yeah. So you might be able to. I messaged, I messaged a few of the people on there, but they have like the craziest waiting list uh, because of the movie. Yeah. Like the, the Nero acoustic wizard. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, the lady messaged me back. She's like, it's a six month wait list. I'm like, oh my God. I don't care. Put me on the list. I'll yeah. wait. <laughs> like I'll be here in six months. <laughs> yeah. But I'll pretty much try anything when it comes to wellness. Like that's who I, oh, and oh, and acupuncture. I've been doing acupuncture for three months now. Mm. My girl is amazing. I, she doesn't tell people, but I'm certain she is a psychic, a very intuitive. And we do cupping and she, we do chakra acupuncture. And mm. between those two things and her words of wisdom, yeah, that's been very helpful. Yeah. I've always wanted to try acupuncture. I haven't done it yet, but I've heard so many great things about it and how it can be so helpful in healing, not even just chronic illness, but just like different like totally or physical or emotional issues that you might be going through too yeah yeah you should try it it's not scary if you ever have an apprehension of needles or anything like that yeah they're not painful and they make it a really calm setting so yeah it's very meditative I love I love all that stuff and the you mentioning the music that I, I totally agree with that as well for me um I used to be a huge, like huge into music, especially when I worked out. But I feel mm-hmm. like as soon as my exercise intolerance kind of kicked in, all of a sudden I was like not interested in doing, um, in listening to music anymore because I wanted to listen to podcasts or I wanted to yeah. do something else. Whereas I got in most of my music time when I was working out. So when I stopped working out, I stopped (laughs) listening to music, but I actually really love it. And it brings, I've heard too, so many people talk about just bringing out that like femininity as well when you're dancing and you're able to just like sway to the music. So totally, I think is really important. Have you found that you're able to exercise more now? Like, have you gotten it back a little bit? Um, To be honest, um, part of it is fear. Yeah. around it. I'm a little bit fearful. So I used to be 
very big into like counting macros and, um, and like extreme bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Yeah. And I really loved it and I would do it all the time, but almost to the point of exhaustion, like to the point of doing it too much and being too strict. So again, like we talked about before with like the all or nothing thing, a -hmm. little bit of me is a little afraid because the few times like I've tried yoga or things like that, um, I, I really struggle with it. And it's really hard when you, when I used to be someone I could, you know, deadlift 215 pounds and now I can't hold a downward dog. (laughs) Like, so girl, I feel you. Yeah. It's, it's really intimidating and it's hard to get back into, but it's something that has been a focus of mine and will continue to be for the rest of the year, because I just want to get back into moving my body in whatever way that I can. Yeah. No, I, I literally just had this happen. I've been so afraid to go to a class because mm-hmm. I did a little yoga at home and I like couldn't even hold my arms up. This was about a month ago. So I thought, okay, you know, I'm ready to try again. And I went to my first yoga class on the weekend. It was like beginner's yoga. It was like, so not anything I would have done a year yeah. or so ago. And it was like, your ego is a part of it. And then also just truly being afraid like you're afraid it's going to trigger your symptoms and you're afraid you're going to feel worse and then you're going to be even more afraid and it's just kind of gaining that confidence back in your body in a way yeah yeah definitely I totally agree like the other part of it for me is definitely fear I'm afraid that I'll that I will knock myself back into a flare or something like Mm -hmm. that but I think reminding myself that because I'm physically unable to immediately go back to the gym and start deadlifting 200 pounds again, I'm not going to send myself into a flare. Like it's, I'm not going to work myself to that point anymore because I know that it's not right for me, but finding whatever kind of movement works for me now would be really beneficial to my healing. So especially for me with Hashimoto's, one of the worst symptoms that I deal with is, is the weight gain and the Mm -hmm. like, continuous retention of water. (laughs) It feels like all the time. So, um, so I'm holding on to a lot more weight than my body is meant to hold on to. It's not even just that, um, I wish I was thinner. It's like literally I'm five, one, I'm very small. So like, you know, I'm built very small and to be holding on to an additional 20 pounds for my body is very hard. Like it's very exhausting and Mm -hmm. creates other symptoms like that you're not used to and things like that. So, um, so yeah, getting back into exercise is something that, that I think will be very beneficial and is my next part of my healing journey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just take your time with it because it sounds like there's like a lot of emotions there. Like you don't want to go back into your own routine of like pushing yourself too hard. You don't want to trigger yourself. You know, you got to find what's right. Also, you're probably tired sometimes realistically. And it's like, I get it. It's just kind of like finding your way with it Mm -hmm. and making it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And starting small and being okay with that. Yeah. It sounds like we both have that big lesson to learn, like starting small, you're not going to be able to finish this in like one day kind of, which it's kind of been nice. And I think at some point we'll be like, okay, I'm glad I got rid of that kind of mentality because it's not healthy. Yeah. 
it's really not healthy. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I'm so productive. You know, I can get so much done and this and that, but other times it backfires on you and gets you really sick. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, um, it's a, it's a mindset that I'm still learning, but it's something that I know will be better for me moving forward. But it's Mm -hmm. hard when you're like, as like a type A person, like I want to do things the way that I know and I'm an overachiever and I'm all these things. Um, it's, it's more than just healing my thyroid and healing these issues. It's like changing the way that I think about things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my therapist kind of said that like, I'm going to have to grieve like the old me and like, especially physically and just my capabilities. It's like, I'm not going to be I mean, I'm most likely not going to be exactly like that person anymore, nor would I want to be completely like that. But she described it as a, as a death. And I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. It really does. Yeah. Which is so hard. I mean, for how many years were we attached to that kind of, um, as who we thought we were. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wrapped into so many things, like the way that you work, the way that you are in relationships and friendships as a mom, as in a, you know, yeah. marriage, things like that, um, that it can really wrap into. So it's healing is so multidimensional and it's more yeah. than just, you know, supplements and eating good food. Like there is absolutely mental and emotional healing so much mental mm-hmm. <laughs> so much mental and that's why like all my friends that aren't sick i'm like trust me you have healing to do too like do it now before it catches up with you i feel like everyone's all, like everyone has like pretty much the same healing to do mm-hmm. but just some people have to get sick to figure it out and actually do it yeah push you into that so is there anything right now in particular that you're focusing on in your health journey? Is there like, um, I know you had kind of talked about some test results you got the other day on, on Instagram. So I'm just wondering what you're focusing on right now. I just kicked my mold and my candida or my parasites and my candida, which was like a gnarly round of antibiotics, which really messed with my stomach. So got to get my stomach back on track. Um, I am being persuaded to try ozone therapy. Have you heard of that? I have heard of it, but I honestly, I don't know much about it. It's very popular for people with Epstein-Barr or like Lyme, any type of virus. And they basically take your blood out and they add extra oxygen to it. And then that kills everything in it. And then they put it back in. Oh, wow. So... I am debating doing that because my Epstein bar isn't that bad. He says like it'd be beneficial, but you know, it's okay if you don't want to do that yet. So I'm going to kind of play with that for a little while, but some of the things that I'm doing that are a bit kind of, I don't know how you would describe them. Like not everyone would be doing them is I'm working with peptides. Mm. So I take um, a peptide called thymazine alpha one And that's via injection, which I think has really helped me. And then I also take something called low-dose naltrexone every night before bed. And both those things, I wouldn't be able to explain them all perfectly, but to the audience, if you want to Google those, they're supposed to be like the newest thing for autoimmune to help help your body just kind of deal with it and to help your immune system 
be able to settle down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then just my gut, like my gut issues have, I feel like they've gotten worse since everything I've been doing, which is super frustrating. Yeah. Um, so that's probably where my main focus is. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially with antibiotics. I feel like they are so helpful for like the one thing, but then they can just totally flare up another part of you. So it's like, you have to go back and kind of heal that part then. Absolutely. Yeah. And that the anti-inflammatory diet is, has been super important to me with the Graves eye disease because I have it, but it's very mild, Mm. which I want to keep it that way so badly. And like it's the thing that scares me the most. Okay. Like my stomach is like something I'm like, okay, I really need to focus on this. I know this is at the root, but Graves eye disease is definitely like something I wake up every morning and like check. And so I'm trying to do everything I can to prevent that. What is that? I don't think I know what that, what that is. It is some weird symptom that only about 50% of people get when they have Graves, but it causes a several different like um, layers of symptoms with the eyes. Like some people just get dry eyes, some people get puffy eyes, but some people, and it's absolutely devastatingly sad, is their eyes protrude really far out of the socket. Oh, okay. And they usually need surgery and it, yeah. it looks really awful and it makes people incredibly insecure. Sure. Some people get blurred vision it's a whole, whole ordeal. Yeah. So I really feel so sad for the people that have it. Like I've seen young kids that have it online and it's just, I don't know. It's like not even vanity. It's just like, it's your eyes. Like I just feel like that's so much more than like your looks. It's like the window to your soul and it's like your vision. So it's a very scary thing to have. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely something that is terrifying to think about losing any function with that or just yeah in any way yeah like you said you see everything that way like literally you go through life and that's the way that yeah the thought of losing vision is so scary Yeah. yeah yeah it's terrifying what some of these autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses some of the symptoms, like the more devastating symptoms that can come with them. Like it it can be really terrifying and it, it definitely puts you in a place where you want to heal the best way that you can so that Mm -hmm. you're not dealing with some of these like extreme symptoms that can come with it. Totally. Yeah. I have a couple people that I know, like I have this one friend, she's the wife to my husband's friend and I found out she had graves. So I invited her over. I wanted to know everything. She had Graves' eye disease as well. And she was telling me her story. And she's like, yeah, you know, I barely changed anything. I, you know, started to eat a little healthier, went for a couple more walks. She's like, you know what? I don't even really remember it because it was that long ago. She's been in remission for 20 years. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, that is my goal. (laughs) To to, to not even remember this in 20 years. She did have to get surgery on one of her eyelids, but she said it was super easy. So sometimes I meet these people that just don't really get as obsessive as I think (laughs) I am. And a lot of the people, not obsessive, but just really dedicated and like um, very, not 
strict is also kind of another negative word, but really dedicated to the healing and the journey and like giving up certain things. And then there's some people that they don't and they still go into remission. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. So many sides to healing for sure. Mm -hmm. So if people wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to work with you, how could they reach out to you? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram at it's going for goddess, which you can hear the whole story about why it's called going for goddess on my website, which is also goingforgoddess.com. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I do do a little bit of Facebook, but when I had Vivian, I kind of just narrowed it down to just the blog and Instagram. Yeah. And I'm feeling good about that. Social media can really take over your life, can't it? Oh, totally. Totally. You gotta have I have boundaries. I'm in social media and I don't know why I do it. <laughs> like, you got to have boundaries. Yeah, you got to have boundaries, <laughs> definitely. And I think um, Instagram is such a great place to be too, just because there's so many, like the chronic illness community over there is so empowering. And very empowering. Like what you were telling me before, how some of the Facebook groups can be a little less empowering, we'll say. Yeah. And I could totally see that. Yeah. 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 Whereas I think that Instagram can be a little bit more uplifting if you find the right people. So cool. Everybody can reach you there and I'll yeah. have all the links in the blog post and in the um, show notes. But is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast? Oh man. Um, I just want to tell everybody that just keep finding your community. You've obviously found this one. I hope you can come over and find mine. I think that's the number one thing that matters to all of us right now is just sticking together. We're stronger together. We can learn so much together. And if you're newly diagnosed, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Just breathe and find a good squad of people to help build you up. Yes. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And again, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you're doing. I know you put in a lot of hours to make this podcast and I really appreciate your work. It's very meaningful to a lot of people. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.